0: I'm going to continue in uh, our series of study from the Gospel of John, and today I've entitled the message, Seeking Jesus, uh, from John uh, chapter 1, verses 35 to 39. So let's read this text out loud together, first in English, and then in Korean. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. 또 이튿날 요한이 자기 제자 중두 사람과 함께 섰다가, 예수께서 거니심을 보고 말하되 보라 하나님의 어린 양이로다. 두 제자가 그의 말을 듣고 예수를 따르던을 예수께서 돌이켜 그 따르는 것을 보시고 물어 이르시되 무엇을 구하느냐 이르되 랍비여 어디 계시오니까 하니 랍비는 번역하면 선생이라. 예수께서 이르시되 와서 보라. 그러므로 그들이 가서 계신 데를 보고 그날 함께 거하니. Right before this text, we have studied in the prologue, verses 1 to 18, that the author, the apostle John, presents Jesus Christ as the Logos. And the reason why he chooses that particular term and that particular theology to talk about Jesus Is because he wants to show that Jesus is the perfect expression and representation of God. Now, we need to understand that we cannot see God. We cannot reach up and touch Him. We cannot link with Him in any other way. He has to somehow express Himself through revelation. He has to articulate Himself, communicate Himself to us. And what we discover from this prologue is that God does that. God the Father does that through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's why His title is the Logos. In other words, God does everything through Jesus Christ, the Logos. Could you repeat after me? That key word, that preposition through is very important. Through, through. Jesus. Jesus. Wow. The Greek term is dia, dia Christo. So that's the technical term. But God does Everything through Jesus when it has to do with the world that he has created. The creation was through Jesus, and when the world sinned and fell, the redemption was through Jesus. Everything that is of life, everything that is of truth is through Jesus. And this is what Apostle John wanted to communicate to us. Then we saw, starting last week in the text just preceding this, that John, the apostle, wants to establish some witnesses to the fact that Jesus Christ is the Logos, that God does everything through Jesus. He wants Jesus to be the very focus, and he establishes some testimonies. And the first testimony was by none other than another John, and that is the prophet John the Baptist. And so that's what we studied about last week. But then he has a series of individuals that he brings up who are going to testify to Jesus. And not only the individuals, he also talks about the events of the ministries of Jesus, especially miraculous signs and wonders. That also points to Jesus. Jesus' teaching, Jesus' words, that also points to Jesus. And finally, the Holy Spirit, everything that he does, he points to Jesus. So everything is about witness to Jesus Christ. So the first witness was the prophet John the Baptist. But now he's establishing a series of witnesses who are going to be the disciples of Jesus Christ, the apostles. So he just takes a sample of some of these apostles, and he talks about how they became the disciples of Jesus Christ. Before we begin our study of how Jesus calls these disciples and how they witness to Jesus, I want to say one thing. There is no set rule or formula by which we become the disciples of Jesus Christ. I know a lot of people are looking in the Bible for some kind of pattern. And This is the way. This is always the way. And they have to go through step one, step two, step three. And then suddenly they find Jesus. They encounter Jesus. This is not what we see. The reason why... The author wants to establish these witnesses, and we'll see three witnesses, three cases of the witnesses, is because he wants to show that there is a variety. None of these are the same. 오늘 저희들이 예수님의 제자들 중에 세 케이스로 우리가 공방했는데 첫 번째 케이스로 우리가 공부를 하겠어요. 그런데 예수님이 제자들을 부르실 때 그리고 예수님을 이 제자들이 접근할 때 어떠한 세트된 규칙과 어떤 규정이 없다는 거예요. 어떤 공식이 없다는 거예요. 어떤 방식이 없다는 거예요. 다양하다는 것입니다. There is a whole variety of diversity in the way people come to the Lord. And this is exactly what we see. If there is a pattern, that there is no pattern. There is no pattern in This is one thing that I can say for sure, because the way I experience Jesus, the way you experience Jesus, the way others will experience Jesus will be very, very different. The context will be different. The timing will be different. The sequence, the order will be different. So let us examine what happens in this very first case of two of the 12 disciples that Jesus will choose as his apostles. And we're going to begin with uh, verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. Now, these are two of John the Baptist's disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, John the Baptist says, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. In other words, John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, This is the Lamb of God. This is the one who's going to take away your sins. And this is the very reason why I came on the scene to baptize you. Because my baptism has to do with your repentance for the forgiveness of sins. I can't forgive you. Water baptism itself cannot cleanse you, but it's the formality as a way of pointing to the one who can, and that is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. He's pointing to Jesus, and right after he points to Jesus, two of his disciples decide to follow Jesus. And the amazing thing is John the Baptist has no problem that his own disciples, perhaps the very best of the best, are released to Jesus. This is the first point that I want to make. There is always a preparation for our encounter to Jesus. In this case, these two disciples of John, they were well prepared by their mentor, John the Baptist. Who are these two disciples? This text does not indicate, but we see later in verse 40, there's a statement that says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. So we know that one of them is Andrew, the brother of Peter. Who's the other guy? There's no mention of the other guy. But most scholars, biblical scholars, believe that it has to be the author himself, Apostle John. Why? Because he never exposes himself, never reveals his identity, even as the author. You know how he describes himself? He describes himself on six occasions as the disciple whom Jesus loved. 예수님이 사랑하셨던 제자 또는 그 다른 제자 the other disciple but he would never say oh that's me John the specially chosen one the apostle to be no he just says I'm the one that Jesus loves. I'm that other disciple. I'm one of the two who were under John the Baptist, but who were released unto Jesus Christ. What modesty, but at the same time, what intimacy that he wants to point out. He doesn't want to point to himself, his identity. He wants to point out the fact that he had such an intimacy with Jesus that this is the very disciple that is described later as one who laid his head on the bosom of Jesus. How would you like to be remembered for? For your own namesake? For your own identity and fame? Or you want to be remembered for your relationship with Jesus Christ with a language of intimacy? With a language of intimacy. Here in this text, I'm really amazed by the example of John the Baptist in in his act of pointing to Jesus and releasing his uh, two disciples. And I think we can learn two major lessons on spiritual leadership. Now, when I use the term spiritual leadership, this is applicable to all of us. Are you parents? How many parents are here? Well, is your family a spiritual community? How many of you believe that? It is a spiritual community. Who are the leaders? Who are the spiritual leaders of the family? It's the father and the mother. Amen. Are you interested in um, bringing others to the Lord Jesus Christ and nurturing them in the kingdom? Well, then you're a spiritual leader. Spiritual leader is Nothing but someone who just is walking a little ahead of others and following more closer to Jesus. That's it. You don't have to be a leader of an organization. You don't have to rule over a lot of people and govern a lot of people. All you have to have is one person who's willing to follow you, who's indebted to you, who needs your help, who needs you to drag them along and to link you to Jesus then you're a spiritual leader. I'm a spiritual leader because I'm a pastor here in this context. I have to be a spiritual leader to lead our congregation from point A to B all the way to Z if God destines us to go there. Okay? So there are two principles of spiritual leadership that I would like to point out. Very important. A lot of leaders don't understand this principle very well. But John the Baptist exemplifying this. As a matter of fact, the author, John the Apostle, is highlighting this. And what is that? First of all, they understand the principle of release and surrender. Before you lead someone along, you got to first of all detach yourself and say, They are not mine to have and hold. 우리가 사람들, 우리에게 맡겨진 사람들을 하나님께 바치고 하나님께 드리는 그런 마음 자세를 가져야 합니다. 목사들도 그래야 돼요. 목사들도 교회가 내 것이다. 이 사역은 내 것이다. 이 기관은 내 것이다. 그러한 성향이 있단 말이에요. 저도 그런 성향이 있죠. 내것 내가 다 투자해갖고 얼마나 많이 어, 그 시간과 에너지와 어, 재정과 모든 관심을 이쪽에다 부여했는데. I know we as leaders, we feel like we own the things that we invest in. But we have to be very careful. Anytime it's a spiritual community and you are called to be a spiritual leader, then it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Jesus Christ. And this is exactly what John the Baptist understood about his role. His role was to simply prepare, quote, his disciples to be ultimately Jesus' disciples. Can I hear a big amen to that? In other words, there's no other disciples than the disciples of Jesus Christ. I know I call people that I mentor, those protégés, those students, and those people who I have really imparted to. And Brother Ryan sitting here, he's, I've known him for a long, long time. you know. And uh, I, can, I think he would say, I was a disciple of Pastor Lenny, I still am. Mijin? She, I used to mentor her and we used to work together in, a, in the same organization a long time ago before she got married. And she may consider herself a disciple and I may feel like I'm her mentor and discipler. But ultimately, these and the rest of you are all disciples of Jesus Christ. I'm here to serve you so that you can become better disciples of Jesus. So I must learn to let go. As a leader, we must learn to let go. That's the first rule we we must learn. Not to hold on, possess, and equip, and strengthen, empower, and train. No. See, after you've done all that and then you try to release, you can't release. That's the problem. So you got to learn the rule or the law of release and surrender first. And then second, what's your job? Not to make your own colony. Not to make your own empire, but to nurture them and prepare them so that they may serve Jesus. Now, let me pick on the parents a little bit. A lot of parents think that um, once they have their kids and they invest thousands of millions of dollars on those kids, right? I mean, it'll kind of amount to almost a million dollars, I think, (laughs) in the long run. You feel like you have some rights. You feel like you have some ownership. They belong to me. they bear my name. They're my clan. They're my blood. That's important. I think that's important. I think that's necessary sometimes. But what we don't understand is the biblical concept of children in their relationship to parents is that they are given unto the parents as a loan by God. Loan is something that you have to pay back, hand back. They're not ours. They're loaned unto us. That's why they're even more precious than what is mine. If this is mine, then I could do whatever. But if it belongs to Jesus, I'm going to be held accountable as to how I deal with Sarah, Michelle, and Anna. And I must nurture them the best way that I know how. I must prepare them for Jesus. And this is exactly what John the Baptist has been doing. He was so passionate about the Messiah who is to come. I'm sure he just drilled his disciples about this Messiah, Messiah. The time will come. I don't even know who he is. But one day he'll show up. And then suddenly he shows up. And he says, now is time. Go. This is what it was all about anyway. And so these two disciples, Andrew and John, they try to march on to follow Jesus. This is the first step. We need to prepare for Jesus. Second step is this. And this is exactly what we see in this text in verses 37 to 38. And second principle is we now must on our own, having been released, having been blessed, we need to quest after Jesus. There has to be a sense of quest following Jesus. This is the important thing that we learn. Let's read this text from verse 37 to 38, 8 portion. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? 두 제자가 그의 말을 듣고 예수를 따르거늘, 예수께서 돌이켜 그 따르는 것을 보시고 무엇을 이르되. Now, you see in this text, it is very clear that the disciples had to show some kind of initiative. They had to kind of approach Jesus, and then Jesus turned around, and he approached them. I mean, we have a very simple theology in most churches that God does everything. God initiates everything. Yes, he does, but the thing is, he doesn't just initiate everything to anybody. He initiates to those people who really wants. That kind of initiation from God. That means we have to show some kind of sign that we are really seriously interested in Jesus. And the way to show that is by following Jesus wherever we are. The quest is more important than wherever you have arrived. Sometimes we as Christians, we think, oh, I've arrived. I've been a Christian a long time. I'm here. I've accomplished a lot. I have something with Jesus. That's not as important. More important is the fact that are you on a quest? Are you on a search? Are you asking the question? Are you inquiring of him? That's more important. Not just having found the answer, but asking the question, inquiring about Jesus, knocking at his heart's door. That's the important thing. Are we questing after Jesus? You see, when Jesus sees that we really mean it and I'm really searching Him and I'm serious about Him, He'll just turn around and meet us halfway. And we have some texts in the Scripture. We have one from the New Testament and Old Testament. and There are many, many texts. But I love these two passages. In James 4.8, it says, Come near to God and He will come near to you. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. There is a condition to God drawing near to us. We say, God, how come you're not drawing near to me? How come you're not pouring out your blessings to me? Are you reaching for that blessing? Are you going for him? Are you drawing near to him? 하나님을 그리하면 너희를 가까이 There's this two ways about this. God doesn't just want to be a one-sided, you know, one-directional lover. You know, he wants to love those, who really wants to love him back? Amen. And so this is very important. In Jeremiah twenty-nine, thirteen, he says, "You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart." 마음으로 나를 구하면 나를 찾을 나를 만나리라. So who finds Jesus? Who are those people? Jesus finds them. Those are the ones who would seek Jesus with all their hearts. It almost sounds like Murphy's law. You know, who gets found? Those who want to be found, or those who are finding and seeking and questing, they will be found. So listen: if you want the Lord to draw near to you, show him, show him a sign that you're serious. You know, in your prayer, you're reaching out with your spiritual hand that reaches out from your heart and say, God, I I want you. Show him that. And you will see immediately the Lord will come draw near. You'll see your heart's door opening up and you're inviting him to come in. And so following Jesus, seeking Jesus, questing after Jesus, that's the important thing. Third step in discipleship, and this is exactly what we see. So they're following Jesus And Jesus turns around. He asks them a question. What is it that you want? 무엇을 구하느냐? 이렇게 Now, again, in Christianity, oftentimes in the churches, we have learned to ask the question, what is it that you want, O Lord? Have you ever lifted up prayers that way? Most of us, we have learned to pray like that. Lord, what is your will? What do you want me to do? But oftentimes Jesus will reverse that. And he says, What do you want? Now, is it humanism that the Lord is espousing? 예수님께서 우리한테 그런 질문 하실 때, 너는 무엇을 원하냐? 그럴 때, 우리의 무슨 어떤 인본주의적인, 사람 욕심 중심적인, 그 욕구를 원하는 거야? 그 욕망을 원하는 거야? 아니라고요. Listen very carefully. Is it alright to ask things of God? To show Him your desire? To show Him your passion? Because look at what Jesus is asking. He says, what do you want? That means He's asking us, what's my desire? So is it okay for me to desire anything? Obviously, not anything. So to the question... Can I desire something and request of the Lord something? My answer to that is, it all depends what that is. If you can show the Lord that this has to do with my passion for Him, is something that will be for the kingdom's purpose. If it is something that is within the will of God, by all means, ask. Ask with confidence. If you can show that this person that you want to marry, the person that you are passionately in love with, and you're saying to the Lord, Lord, give me this person, then you have to prove to the Lord that this person is in the will of the Lord. You have to show that this will be for the, the kingdom's sake, for Jesus' sake, for the Jesus' honor's sake. If you want money, and you feel like you need to really have this money desperately, you can boldly ask the Lord. But if that money is for your selfish purposes, so that you can show off to people, so that you can have more of power, of money, Jesus would not be interested in that. Because when Jesus asked this question, he wanted basically the, answer, the disciples say, what do you want? We want you, Lord. We want you more than anything. We want the things that have to do with you, have to do with the Messiah, we have to do with the kingdom. That's what we want. This is what Jesus is looking for when he's asking the question. What is it that you want? And by the way, this is not a luxury question. It's actually a question that can crucify our hearts sometimes. Sometimes the Lord probes into our hearts and asks us this question. What do you want in life? What has your prayer pattern been? Always asking for this and that. But have you asked for me? Have you asked for my priority, my agenda? Have you asked for the kingdom's interest? If you are willing to do that, ask, and it shall be done for you. I like this passage that we will be studying later in chapter 7 of John, verse 17. If you really want to know whether something is the will of God or not, in other words, have a proper discernment, have clarity as to whether this is the will of God or not. The precondition for that is simply this. Look at what Jesus says. John 7:17. 7, if anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. What did he mean by that? Before you try to discern and figure this out, and then say, if I know this is right, then I'm going to do it. Rather, you're saying, I really want to do your will, O Lord. I really want you, Jesus. And I want you as my top priority. And you can show him clearly that your heart is in the right place, then you will have the clarity of mind to be able to discern. 여러분, 분별로 먼저 시작이 되는 것이 아니에요. 마음에, 그 성향으로부터 시작이 된다. 내 마음이 정말 예수님 중심적이고, 정말 예수님을 사모하고, 예수님을 원하면서 하나님 뜻이 무엇입니까? 하면 눈이 열려요. 보이기 시작해요. 분별이 됩니다. It's not the other way around. You have to give in your heart first, then your eyes will begin to open. I hope you understand. I know this kind of deep is something that we can only realize in our prayers in our times of dedication before the Lord. But this is what the Lord is saying to us. Seek Him and truly show Him that you desire of Him. Like the song that we just sang today. One thing I ask, one thing that I seek, one thing that I desire is to dwell in the house of the Lord. And this is exactly what the disciples responded by saying, in verse 38b, they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. And you might say, Well, what's this? You know, they, they wanted to see the address of Jesus? Uh, what? They want to see how Jesus' dwelling place looks like? But of course, John, when he Presents this text is pregnant with spiritual riches and meanings. So, what is it saying? When Jesus said, "What do you want?" they respond, bonded with a question of their own: "Where are you staying, Lord? Where is your abiding place? Where is the place where I can also dwell with you, Lord?" And Jesus says simply, "Come and see." I love this. Come and see. What is he saying? He didn't say, come and let's think about it, have a nice dialogue, you know. Come, let's have an argument and a debate. Come, let's uh, look into the text and see what we can find. No, he said, you can only know me in the depth by experiencing me. I cannot explain it any longer. When you come to this point, after you've been following me, after you've been questing me, after you've been challenged by me, now at this point, if you don't really want to experience me, then you have no experience of me. Experiencing Jesus, that's very, very important. And to experience Jesus, you've got to spend time with Jesus. And here, the text, let's go back to the text. It says here, it was about four in the afternoon. I think this is a proper translation. But the original, according to Korean, is 때가 열 되었더라. Ten o'clock. And then, according to Jewish time, it begins with 6 a.m. Okay? It's 6 a.m. and it's 12 hours in that day. So, 10 hours after 6 uh, a.m. would be what? Calculate that quickly. That would be 4 p.m. 4 p.m. In other words, you don't have much more day time left. So, obviously, what happened was, if they met Jesus at four o'clock in the afternoon, then the rest of the day meant the next day, according to the Hebrew calendar, is the complete next day into the next evening. So they spent an entire evening with Jesus. They slept where Jesus slept, they they dwelt where Jesus dwelt. They saw how Jesus interacted with others around him. There's no way we can develop relationship. Cultivate a relationship with Jesus except by spending quality time with Him. 시간을 보내야 돼요, 여러분. 그 시간을 어떻게 보내? 예수님이 어디에 있어? 예수님이 주소가 어디에 있어? And to that, the answer is He's everywhere. He's everywhere. And for us who believe the Lord, He dwells inside of us by His Spirit. 그분에 대해서 consciousness만 가지면 돼요. Just like this. Oh, Jesus, where are you? Oh, you're here. I want to spend some time with you. Interact with you. Talk to you. commune in with you. So how can we develop this relationship with Jesus? Only through experience of spending that quality time with him. I know you might say, I know some people seem to have great experience with Jesus. Like they, they feel him, they experience him, but I can't seem to be in touch with him then start where you are in your state of dryness or feeling like this is impersonal. It's just a formality. Start where you are. That's how I started my relationship with Jesus. 1982, in the spring, I know exactly that day when I never had a relation, genuine relation with Jesus before. Everything before was just a formality. I grew up in a Christian family. I was just going through the motion. I didn't really have a heart. I didn't really have a prayer. But on that day, I decided to be genuine for once. And you know what my first prayer was? Lord, I don't know how to pray. I never lifted up a genuine prayer in my life. But I remember Billy Graham, a fellow native of North Carolina, he used to invite people to come and follow after me in this prayer. I remember that because I've seen the crusade on TV so many times. And I said, can I pray like this, Lord? If you're there, are you listening? And I just was very honest about where I was. I don't know you, I don't feel you, but I know I have to give my life to you because I cannot deny your existence anymore. Then I must surrender my life to you. And I I just lifted up a genuine prayer. And guess what? Once I prayed like that, something began to happen. My heart began to open up. Spirit began to come upon me. The sense of burden and guilt and shame that was lifted off of me and I was liberated. I got born again that day. Amen? So you experience Jesus by spending time with him through prayer, through study of the word, just meditation of, about him or seeing, sensing the presence of through culture and surroundings and asking that question, Jesus, are you here? Are you here to meet me? I want to meet with you. Be genuine about it and you will find Jesus. Amen? So once again, I go back to that text in Jeremiah. Seek Him with all your heart. And the Lord says, I shall be found by you. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we truly want to seek you and your Son, Jesus Christ, and seek uh, the Holy Spirit with all our hearts. We want more than anything, God, without God our sense of purpose and our sense of goal we're just flat on the ground it'll be short lived Lord teach us to go for something that is eternal something that is of greatest value than anything that is temporal anything that is of the material existence give us eternity that is found only in Jesus give us life that can only be meaningful in Jesus. Give us Jesus more and more, Lord. And we have learned today that all our life is a preparation for Jesus. And we had had great mentors like John the Baptist and our parents and, and ministers and the teachers and mentors. Lord, thank you for that. For all their jobs, their preoccupations with us, was to hand us over to you, Jesus. So we come to you. We follow you. We seek you. We quest after you. And to your challenge, what do you want? May we respond by saying, Lord, we want you. We want you more than anything else. And may you now invite us to come and see where you dwell, what you do. And may we enter into the intimacy with you, O Lord. Help us. Thank you, Lord. May we be your disciples, O Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now let us all stand. And before I give the benediction, I'd like to sing that song once again. I I could help but to just, my eyes were welling up with tears as I was just singing this simple song because it, it is really so simple, isn't it? Just one thing, one thing. And that is one person person of Jesus Christ that we are to ask for, that we are to seek, dwell in his house forever. ourselves to
1: is to see you, is to see
0: you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn His countenance towards you. And may He radiate all His glory, wisdom, beauty, and love. And may you go forth and shine forth the glory of our Lord to others. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.